This morning's reading is from the Manual for Teachers of A Course in Miracles, page 22. The real basis for doubt about the out is always self-doubt, and that necessarily implies that trust has been placed in an illusory self, for only such a self can be doubted. This illusion can take many forms. Perhaps there is a fear of weakness and vulnerability. Perhaps there is a fear of failure and shame associated with a sense of inadequacy. Perhaps there is a guilty embarrassment stemming from false humility. The form of the mistake is not important. What is important is only the recognition of a mistake as a mistake. The mistake is always some form of concern with the self to the exclusion of the patient. It is a failure to recognize him as part of the self and thus represents a confusion in identity. Conflict about what you are has entered your mind and you have become deceived about yourself. And you are deceived about yourself because you have denied the source of your creation. If you are offering only healing, you cannot doubt. Doubt is the result of conflicting wishes. Be sure of what you want, and doubt becomes impossible. I think I told you that a couple years ago, I realized I hadn't read a book in about four years because I had gotten the notion that I could only read books that were edifying. <laughs> and uh, I got so uh, bored with edifying books, <laughs> and yet I couldn't read any other books, so I just had stopped reading all, all the time. Of course, Gail was swallowing English mysteries like candy every day. You know? <laughs> so uh, I asked her, did she know of a book that I could read that might be pleasurable? <laughs> and so forth. Well, actually, she recommended the James Harriet books, and that's where I started. I said, gosh, reading can be fun. <laughs> uh, and then I started uh, looking into the uh, Eng English mystery writers. Uh, and uh, there was a wonderful book by Simon Brett recently. I read recently his uh, characters. Charles Paris, who is an actor. He's a very unsuccessful actor. <laughs> and the books are filled with reviews that he gets. <laughs> but uh, on this, at this particular, I don't know if this was a play, or I think this was a television program. I'm not sure. He sometimes sets these in the midst of sitcoms and other things like that. But the, the stage director was always talking about the mode. We are in a rehearsal mode. We are in a question and answer mode with the director. We are so forth. Everything was a mode. <clears throat> and when uh, the murder occur occurred, of course, which always occurs in a murder mystery, uh, Charles went over and uh, looked at the man. He said, yes, he's definitely in a dead mode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
you know, the English writers never kill off anybody that you you know well or would want to know well. Uh, and so we are in <clears throat> we are in an ending mode here. Uh, and the reason that I wanted to talk about that was because of last Sunday. Uh, I told you that we would have question and answers these last. Well, let's see. We've got this Sunday, Gail and I do, and then next Sunday is another freewheeling Sunday. Then we have the Sunday after that in which uh, uh, one set of dispensable ministers makes another set of people indispensable. I mean, excuse me, dispensable. <laughs> so uh, Marilyn and Tui and John will be uh, ordained. And then Thanksgiving will be our last, uh, the last service that Gail and I will uh, will do. Now the reason I bring this up is because possibly you sensed what was going on last Sunday. I thought maybe if we had questions and answers these last few Sundays, that this would undercut the expectation that the ego has for endings. The ego loves beginnings and endings, and it has tremendous expectation from both. Uh, but I uh, forgot that th there was a there would be a general atmosphere of uh, <coughs> expectation and uh, agitation and so forth, and so that seeped into the whole thing a little bit. Uh, and I, in much distress, I called uh, Manny <laughs> after the service. <coughs> uh, many of you, I realize, are here just for the ending. <laughs> Maybe don't know who Manny is. Uh, Dr. Manny, as we affectionately called him. Uh, that's because when he was called to be a minister by God, God also conferred upon him a Ph.D., and uh, so we always called him Dr. Manny, and he had a little ministerial, as a matter of fact, he still does have a ministerial school in New Claude, Texas, Manny's Ministerial School, and Hamburger Heaven, and uh, Therapeutic Massage Parlor, and Retirement Home for Chickens. <laughs> but the first thing in Manny's heart, as you can see, is the ministerial school, and uh, I was very fortunate to be chosen to uh, attend that. You clipped out a little coupon in <laughs> magazine, and uh, so I called Manny, because Manny is a very wise person, and I think it's because of the hamburgers. You cannot, if you turn over enough patties, you become wise. <laughs> You see the, the universality of all things, how both sides receive the heat. <laughs> and I said, Manny, I've, I've promised to do questions and answers these last uh, few open services, uh, the ones that aren't already, uh, that aren't already locked into or something. And, 
I don't know what to do because it didn't work last Sunday. He said, but you're forgetting the great tradition of all ministers. You do not want to confuse your congregation by doing what you promised to do. <laughs> Every minister knows you never, never do this. I said, oh, well, that's great. Well, then we don't, I won't have to, don't want to confuse them. And he said, tell them about the last services. I said, I realize you haven't gone through many. He said, in my life, there have been many, <laughs> many last services. <laughs> he said, they've come very quickly in my career. And so, <laughs> and at this very moment, he was, flipping patties. He said, he said, the last service is like the last dried edge of a hamburger. It's left on the plate. There is no special sauce. There's not even a sesame seed. Perhaps there's one or two little shredded pieces of wilted lettuce. And you sit there and wonder whether or not you should eat it. You see, that is the last services. He said that he, Manny is a poet. I didn't know if he knew, but he said the last services are like like the last bits of French fry in the cup. He said, you'll notice that you have gone through the French fries and you've left the little shriveled pieces at the end. Have you noticed that? The ones that were burnt. <coughs> the ones that have a suspicious spot on them. But you have a little ketchup left, and they are the last ones. And the ego, of course, places tremendous emphasis on the last ones, and so you sit there and wonder, should you eat these? Should you spread the ketchup out? Because this may not just be a bruised spot, this may be caused from a uh, potato worm. Perhaps it is even a slice of potato worm that constitutes the spot. <clears throat> so, I will pass this on to you now. That is what to expect from these last services. <laughs> I promise you they will not be as good as the previous ones. <laughs> but that really is true, people. Um, when you... <laughs> When you have a phenomenon like this going on, uh, in which you have people coming from across country and you and all this stuff, uh, there's not quite the atmosphere of peace that we have earlier. And so the only thing to do about these last services is just to continue your walk home and uh, just gather what you can from them. Nothing spectacular is going to happen. There is this feeling that somehow Hugh is going to put it all together at the last minute. <laughs> He'll be able to do it all for me. And I, there's sort of a sitting on the edge of the chair and, and of course, the, the inevitable falling of the face and disappointment when it's actually over and it didn't happen. <coughs> So let's talk about this just a minute. What's, what's going on here? It appears as if you have before you 
a symbol of desertion. It seems as if you have before you still one more person who is leaving you. And added to this is the perception that this person is a member of a family of four. Family of four with a dog and a newt. <coughs> Indeed, he must be blissfully happy, you see. Um, and you know that loneliness, this feeling of separation, this feeling of difference, this feeling of being left out, which is the major symptom of the world. It is the symptom of believing in the world. You know that this is not a friendless state. Loneliness is not a friendless state. For don't you know well that you can have this feeling in a crowd. You can have it with a group of friends. You can have it in the midst of a very large family. It has nothing to do with how many people are around you. It has to do with this feeling of needing to be careful of not wearing out our welcome around everyone, not, not using up people's goodwill. It has to do with this feeling of, um, of burden. There's just too much to do. There's always too much to do. And we're the ones who have to do it. And why isn't this other person doing their share? It has to do with this feeling of not ever being completely understood by anyone. Not completely not deeply, not in your heart. It has to do with this feeling of leaving, leaving the party, leaving the, the dinner, having the guests leave the house, having the meeting adjourn, and there's this sense of it being unfinished. It's like we want to call everybody back and say, no, no, let's do it again. It didn't happen. We don't even quite know what it is that's supposed to happen. It cannot happen on this level. It cannot happen on the level of the last services that Gail and Hugh gave at the dispensable church. That's not the level on which it happens. It happens in the level of the heart. There is indeed a place within you that is peaceful and still. And in this place of peace, you know your oneness with everyone else. You feel this deep, sweet, <coughs> lovely, silly, happy connection with everyone else. And this is a little journey that we're taking together. It has nothing to do with what number service or whether I'm up here or John and Marilyn and Tui are up here as will be the case very shortly 
or whether you're just driving your car or whether you're with a thousand screaming people or it doesn't matter. Whenever we take the world, you see, the world doesn't work and we keep being surprised about this. <laughs> the world doesn't work and we say, oh, suddenly it's, um, it's, a, it's a big surprise. And so what we must learn to do is not look at that level in which the world doesn't work, in which people don't quite get together, in which people die and you didn't quite say the thing that you wanted to to them. And a little child comes and it doesn't save your marriage and oh, whatever. And, and the, you buy the, the, the pet. You buy the pet, even a fish. And it's not the right fish. The fish is supposed to swim. It's supposed to satisfy the entire family. It's supposed to eat happily all the food it's given. This fish doesn't like Brian's shrimp. And so there's this disappointment. The fish didn't do it. The dog didn't do it. It's this expectation, this expectation on, on uh, externals. And so we have, we have this friend. We have this love. They don't quite do it, we don't think. And possibly it's a great friendship. It's a wonderful relationship. And yet behind is this nagging, feeling that at any moment the person might run off into the arms of someone else, despite how long, despite how deep, despite how passionate the friendship has been, you see. And we all see this waste of perfectly good relationships all over. And we know that we're not immune People, this is not reason for unhappiness. It cannot be on that level. That's, that's a reason for happiness. That's a, a reason for relief. It simply never has been and never will be on that silly, silly level. You see, we are together. The truth is true. No one's leaving anyone. And so let's close our eyes and try once again to touch this reality within us. That's how we get home. That's how we awaken to the truth. That's how the world is transformed in our mind and we see it as innocent and harmless. And suddenly we see the great reality that has always stood behind it, behind this picture of people coming and going. Things not working out. This is reality. This is the truth. This is the lap of God in which you sit and laugh and giggle. It is here. If we just open our eyes and our heart, it floods us. And all we have to do is just take our mind off of this little spot on the potato. 
little teeny spot and put it on something else. So let's do this together. Close your eyes. All that matters is, is that you try. Every time you try, you take a step closer to home. It doesn't matter how you try. It's good to try in the same simple way and not look for fancy ways of trying. So let's have no fancy way this morning. Just close your eyes, be relaxed, and say to yourself, I am gentle, I am peace, I am one. I am gentle, I am peace, I am one. Say those words slowly. You have no place to go. You have nothing to do but to awake to the arms of your Father, Mother, God. So take the time now. Say the words. Make the effort. I am gentle. I am peace. I am one. And try to become aware of a place within you a place of happiness and peace and utter stillness. Just a little aware that I am peace. I am one. I am gentle. I am peace. I am one. Do that now. Maybe very dimly, very vaguely, you feel a place within you that is still, that is peaceful. Now, my friends, as you enter this place, you will know that no one can leave you, that no one has died, that no one has not yet come, that God is with you, that you are loved, and that there is no reason for unhappiness about anything. So lift your mind from the little spot on the potato. And look at the Big Mac. If you put eight, you can open your eyes now. If you put eight ducks in a box, what do you have? Box of quackers. <laughs> yeah, that's from one of John's books. All right. So I'm supposed to put it all together for you. How much time do we have? <laughs> First thing is stay in the present. Okay, I'll put it all together for you. This is it. This is all you need to know. Take out your pencils.
Stay in the present. Stay in the present. Recently, John's had a little reaction. I mean, Jordan's had a little reaction to a shot. And John's had a little touch of flu. And I have been marveling at how kids go through illness. How they're completely in the present. If they don't feel down, feel well, they'll just lie down, sometimes right on the floor. Right there. And uh, you have to go get their special quilt and a little pillow and so forth. And they curl up there. And then seven and a half minutes later, up, play, play, and then bonk. No question of when will this be or why did this happen? What does this mean? Is God sending me a message? None of that. They don't do any of that. They don't blame anyone. Stay in the present. Stay in the present. Stay in the present. God's in the present. As I said, said last Sunday, the only reason that we find it difficult to stay in the present is we don't love God. We love the world more than God. And the world can only be thought about in the past and in the future. There's, that's the only way you can experience the world. As you turn your thought to the present, this world, this picture of separation, everyone standing apart from everyone else, begins to dissolve. And there is indeed this bed of flowers this blossoming of something. And so very gently, you wish to walk through the door. There's only one door to God, to home, to reality, to turning these words into something that is not just hollow, but into a reality. It's a door. Only you can walk through it. You'll have all the help you wish, but you must first wish to walk through the door. And the door is the present. Come back to it again and again and again. It calls you. And as you turn your thought to it, it expands. It grows. So did you not notice that as you just said those words, the door to God began to grow? A little bit? Did you not notice that it began to expand just a little bit? You did not feel quite so cut off from the people who are sitting right next to you, rubbing shoulders? You see? That's the truth. The other is nonsense. So that's the first thing. Write that down. Stay in the present. Underline it 17 times. That's it. That's bringing it all together. I cannot tell you any more than this. Stay in the present. What else? <laughs> Don't be conflicted. That's the same truth said in another way. 
God is, is the only truth. God is. To stay in God is to stay in the present. To do what you're doing well, to give it your full attention, is to know God, is to enter the door to heaven. That's all there is. There's nothing else to think about, nothing else to do. Of course, you take care of everything you need to take care of, but you take care of it in the present. You don't worry about taking care of it in the future. You see. So number two, don't be conflicted. Don't do anything in conflict. If you see you're conflicted, stop. Ask yourself, what do you wish to do? And then do it without conflict. Where there is conflict, there is no chance of happiness. The outcome will be conflicted. If you do it in conflict, you must do all things in peace, even be sick. You must argue in peace. You must either listen to the returns or not listen to the returns in peace. Don't be conflicted about listening to the returns. Decide you will either listen to them in peace or you will not listen to them. That's all. To do things with peace is to do them holding God's hand. And so do everything in peace. Do not tell yourself there's something you can't do peacefully. This is never the case. You may have to stop first. You may have to get very clear as, as to your reason for doing it. But as the reading from the manual said this morning, if you are clear then you are happy. You know yourself. You feel your oneness and there is no problem. So as you go through the day, stay in the present. Do everything as peacefully as you can do it. Do not allow yourself to do anything in conflict. Not one teeny tiny thing no matter how much you can you can hurry without rushing so if you need to hurry hurry in peace it is better to let the thing go undone than to rush in agitation because where did it take you except a step backward and you know the direction you wish to walk now you have no more excuses for not walking in this direction. So be firm with yourself. This is a good thing. Be firm. I know the path I'm on. I know that I must simply take one step after the other and very shortly I will arrive. Third thing. Turn often to God. Just turn to God often. Just like you did just a moment ago. You closed your eyes and you said, so close your eyes now with me and let's say something else. Let's say what Jesus said. There is no 
sign around these words saying, only I can say these words, you can't say these words. It doesn't say that. Why do you think the words are there? Except to be said. In case there was any doubt, he gives you three books repeating them over and over and over and over. I and my Father are one. I and my Father are one. Say these words in your heart now. I and my Father are one. I'm peace. I'm gentle. I and my Father are one. I'm still. I'm peace. I and my Father are one. Some simple love song. Say it now to God. We are one. We are one in God. We are one. We are one in God. Feel the stillness. We are one. We are one in God. Sink below all your cares now into this ocean of light that's at your feet. Sink past all your cares, all your worries, all this business of, I'm not doing it right, I'm not doing it right. A little peace, a little silliness, a little happiness, a little joy, a little lightness. This is heaven. This is the door. This is the pathway, a happy path to a happy ending. An ending of illusion. You are peace. There is a place within you that is still. So still. So perhaps see yourself floating now. Just floating. On God's peace. Floating and being cared for. And loved. My friends, open your eyes. You are now near home. You see how simple it is? You're now near home than you were just one minute ago. Ah, but this is too general, Hugh. I want you to bring it together in a specific way. I want it to be specific. All right. Specific. When you get up in the morning, meditate. Before you go to bed at night, meditate. Take a major break sometime during the day, especially before your period of complete collapse. <laughs> Where you lose it all. What is it, 345? When does it happen? See if you can schedule your major break just before that. 
and then practice the habit of breaking with the situation if you're not happy in the situation. How many times have you heard me say that? Put the phone down right there. Would you hold on just a minute? Now, I can't get away with that. Well, I still get away with it. But uh, some people are suspicious now when I say that <laughs> on the phone. Oh, gosh, he's playing. <laughs> I mean, this is such a shame. But really, you can say this. Uh, people, uh, weak bowels and small bladders have paved the way for you. <laughs> you should be grateful right now for the thousands and thousands of people who have had weak bowels and small bladders. Because, because of them, you can say, I'll be back in just a minute. Excuse me, please. And people don't even hear it. So break with the situation. Remember that your peace is more important than diarrhea. So it give it at least as much importance as diarrhea. At least as much as importance as a bladder infection. <laughs> so this is the specific thing to do. You get up in the morning, you set your goal. This will save you years, years and years and years and years and years if you will just do this one thing. Turn your thought to God immediately when you wake up in the morning. And set, orient your mind, focus your mind. Get your purpose clear for this day. What is this day for? Who are you? What are you doing this day? What are you going to do this day? What's your purpose? Focus your mind. Draw it away from the dream, the scattered dream state that your mind woke up in. And focus and see your shining purpose before you. It will save you hundreds of years if you will let go of the day before you go to sleep at night. Just let it go. Forgive it all. Do it in some silly way. Gail and I still use the rocket ship that, with the uh, time capsule, the magnetic time capsule that switches on and draws all the I just love Santa Fe whenever there's a therapist or a new therapist or a new healer you know everybody rushes to them they do their procedure whatever it may be and they get worse and the new healer says well it's because we have released toxins into your system the, the toxins have been released you see <laughs> so the mag <laughs> so the magnetic uh, I'm thinking of no one in particular I've heard this a thousand times as <laughs> well how did it work out well I'm, well, actually I don't feel too good but the toxins have been released <laughs> mm. 
So we switch, you know, put it in the put the day in the in the rocket ship and uh, switch on the magnetic time capsule that draws all the toxins out. Or you send it up in a hot air balloon. Or you John likes to bring in a backhoe. <laughs> Dig a hole and cover it up with boulders. That's fun. So incidentally, if you have small kids, they really like doing this. It's a great thing to do in a family to get your kids to let go of the day. Boy, if you want to have some imageries, they will come up with them. <laughs> well, we did it that way last night. So they'll come up with something. Else. What more can I tell you? I can remind you again about how to make decisions. How to make decisions. We had a little sheet back there, but it's evidently gotten lost or something. But you don't need a sheet. It's very simple how you make decisions. You first of all see how you ordinarily make decisions, which is to worry about the thing is to immediately have a question and start spinning off ramifications in your mind. It's to think of alternatives, of consequences. So whenever you see you have a question, do not get into that state of mind because you'll scare yourself and you'll get so confused that you cannot hear the place where the answer will come from. There will be so much static. So don't discuss things with yourself or anyone else. Don't have a lot of questions. Don't think of all the possibilities. Don't get into that jumpy state of mind where the mind's jumping all over the place and it can't decide. You can always decide anything very simply and very easily if you will first of all not do that and secondly sit down and become quiet just as you did just a moment ago. Just become quiet and see what your peaceful preference is. Not what is the right thing to do, but this leaning. You think you have no guidance? You think you have no help? Notice that there is this gentle leaning. It says, well, maybe you could try this. If it doesn't work, try something else. It's not rigid but it's peaceful. And you want to begin following your heart about your body. Begin trusting your mind about your body. You don't have to keep putting it in one person's hands after another. Listen to your heart. Possibly it will tell you to seek help. But you chart your own course. What do you do about this relationship that's become so painful? This is not a difficult question. If you will sit down and stay in the present and not try to make long-term, perfect, eternal decisions. Nothing's permanent in the world. You need make no permanent decision. Simply decide what you want to do about it now. Do you wish to go out with this person tonight? Do you wish to accept their phone call now? That's all. Now is the door to God. Now will answer every question you have. This peaceful leaning, this peaceful mind that is yours will tell you, why not do this? 
And how do you resolve issues with a close friend or someone that you live in the same way? You don't discuss it. <coughs> you sit down or stand with your eyes closed. You take a moment. Take a moment to remember your debt of gratitude to this person. Every person who has touched your, your life, you should be deeply grateful for. And someday you will see the effect that each person had. So of course there's no accident that you find yourself with this person. That means nothing about the future, either that you should stay with them or not stay with them or anything. It means nothing. It means it's no accident that you're with them now. There's no blame. There's no guilt. And so remember your debt of gratitude. Take time to see how much you love this person and how much you wish to give a gift to your relationship with them, how much you wish to add to the friendship. Take just a moment to see that this person, just like you, wants to get home. Do you doubt that? Everybody wants to go home. There is this ancient memory within everyone's heart that we are one. We are one. We are one in God. And so take just a moment to see this person wants to be happy just like you. This person wants to be peaceful just like you. They want to know God whether they use the word or not, just like you. And see, take just a moment to see that you wish to help them do that. You do. There isn't anyone you don't want to help be happier and more peaceful and to go home and take a few steps forward. So you don't want to be a roadblock, a pothole. <laughs> don't be a pothole. <laughs> See? And so you remember this. You simply remember it, and then you give a gift. Before, it would have sounded like a compromise, a concession. Now you see it's a gift, a gift to the relationship. And if both of you do this, and both of you close your eyes, and you remember your debt of gratitude, and you think of some specific gifts to give concerning this issue at hand, not grand gestures, but this issue at hand, some specific so-called concessions, compromises, and as you see that these are precious gifts that will help this person's peace, increase the strength of the bond. And then you open your eyes and you share these, these gifts. There will be so much compromise, so much gentleness, so much flexibility that the problem will have dissolved. There is no mystery as to how to resolve relationships between you and another person. It's the same way you make decisions. It's the same way you wake in the morning. It's the same way you walk through the day. So please now, join your brother and your sister's hand in yours. Just take the person's hand next to you.
You don't have to reach across the aisle if you don't wish to. Those of you who feel like they have an empty hand, if you're near the wall, notice that Jesus is holding it. This is a fact. And now, take just a moment to sense how gentle are the people in this room. How gentle. How simply each and every one of them yearns for goodness, for peace yearns to go through just one day without blaming or being blamed. How deeply this person whose hand you're holding wants to be understood and accepted. How gentle is this room. How much peace surrounds you. And say, once again, your love song to reality. I am one. I am in God. I am at peace forever and forever and forever. I am one. I am in God. I'm at peace now forever and forever and forever. And never, ever again believe a picture of separation. I love you. And next Sunday, maybe we'll have a question and answer. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs>